Hi everyone, your girl Shea here, and today we have Evan Ross Katz back to Kiki with us about all things pop culture. We are getting a complete pop culture history lesson today, folks, so you are not going to want to miss this one. Forever. Our top model fans born or made. Hey, I'm Shea Coulee and welcome to Wanna Be On Top, a podcast where I explore the cultural phenomenon that launched a thousand smizes. As always, I'm joined by insatiable power bottom and top model expert Maxwell Esposito. Hey girl. Hi Shay. Monday was so much fun. It was so great to talk to Evan about cycle three. I mean, this cycle is so great. I'm really ready to just keep going. The photo shoots, the trip to Tokyo, um, the commercial in Tokyo alone is hilarity ensues. So I can only, <laughs> I just cannot wait to move forward through the rest of this cycle. Um, and it was great to just talk to somebody who's well-versed in top model, you know, bringing us all together. I, I mean, like, no, I fully agree. Like, there's a very special bond between us top model fans. Like, you know, it's, it's extraordinary. And so without further ado, let's get this show rolling because I am so excited to catch up and welcome back to the show from their podcast. Shut up, Evan. We have Evan Ross Katz. Welcome back. How are you today? I am wonderful. I am Glad to be in the presence of greatness once again, and I am pumped for our little chat. Thank you. Well, Maxwell and I were just talking about how much fun it is to create these bonds with people all over the show. So Top Model has left such a stamp on pop culture, and you, Evan, as most of us know, are pretty into pop culture yourself. A little bit, Okay, so there are lots of accounts um, online that provide, you know, news and tea and just all the good juicy bits. And you are someone that I go to, you know, when I want to make sure that it's nice and popping hot because I consider you to be a pop culture historian. So this is like the highest praise from you of all people. Thank you. I mean, I it's easy. Look, it's really just like easy because you I feel like we have just so many shared interests. I and so in that way, the news that you deliver is exactly what what I would otherwise be like searching for. So I don't really have to do that. So it thank you for um eliminating that extra <laughs> I, I'm a busy person. So, you know, thank you for eliminating that extra step for me. Oh so I, I, I have a question for you. Like where like where did your love um of pop culture come from? I mean, I think like many queer kids growing up, because I felt like a little bit of an outsider in school, I think it was, it really began as like the escapism that pop culture created. Um, But I think whereas a lot of 
not a lot of, some of my peers were like becoming infatuated with like movies or television shows or theater or what have you. I was less invested in storytelling and more invested in the interior lives of the people telling the stories. Um, and I think that there were just so many, I mean, like Princess Diana's death, I think was really a really big moment for me that I remember very specifically. I remember, you know, when a lot of people talk about Britney Spears, we tend to talk about like 2007 Britney, but I really remember like night. I remember the whole ride. I mean, I really remember like the 1998 to 2001 Britney when everything was on the up and up. That was really huge for me. And I think also just, uh, you know, all of my uh, male contemporaries at school, the things that were captivating and interesting them were, had no, had no interest to me. But also a lot of my female friends at school, I felt like they weren't riding for Britney hard enough. So <laughs> I think for me, I just realized that like nowhere within the the people that I was surrounded with in school were like loving the, what I loved as much as I loved it. And then, you know, later in life, you start to realize it's like, oh no, like a lot of queer people are into pop culture. Um, but at the time, you know, I really felt in my, you know, my little bubble that I was the person that sort of had a hold on pop culture. And I wanted to know, I'm a completist by nature. So it's like, if I, I don't want to know a little bit about something, if I'm interested in something enough to know a little, I want to know everything. Yes. I, I love that. And I feel like very similar in the way that, um, at least for me in my drag, so much of it is a reflection of like the pop culture that um, I consumed in my youth because it is like, you know, for any of the little queer weirdos out there that that feel othered a lot of times, like, I, I mean, at least for me. I felt like I was always intrigued to like study like, okay, if I'm not popular, I want to know what's popular. Like I want to, so like everything, like all the, all the pop divas, all the R&B divas, all, all just like all of it. I spent so much time in front of the TV. Like that was like my, that was like my homie. Totally. You know. And even like what you're doing with this podcast that I love so much is I feel like so much of pop culture um, just gets forgotten so easily. People tend to focus on the new, like what is happening. And, you know, like Britney being the example, again, it's just like there's so many phases to both a person's career or a television show like Top Model that it's really important to sort of like remember the context of it all and not just view something through the lens of today. And so I pride myself on whether it be top model or drag race, what have you, it's like, I always want to be, I'd rather be an expert in a season one of something than I would in the one that's currently airing. Also because as you know, with a lot of these shows that are currently on, everyone has an opinion about them. And one thing I am not is I do not like to be the loudest voice in a room. That's kind of not my judge. So I'd much rather be the person that knows a fuck ton about the thing that no one's talking about. Yes. Yes. So did you ever think that you were going to become such a big pop culture conversation starter? Um, it's so funny you like say that because it's not how I think about myself, but it's very flattering. Um, no, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know what it is other than I am someone who is kind of always in people's business. I am very active in the DMs and I think early on, and I think maybe this is partially like my background in journalism, but like when I wanted to know the answer to something, I would seek out the person. A anyone that knows me well, I'm very big on voice memos on Instagram. So 
you know, when I have a story that I'm interested in, I I voice memo uh, the person. I mean, even, you know, when we, when you and I, when we did uh, Shut Up Evan, I think it was Priyanka called in for you. And it's like, how did I get Priyanka? I went to the voice memo. So I just am someone who always likes to be in conversation with the people that I'm, or tr I try to be in conversation with the people I'm talking about. Um, and then I also just like, I, I'm not a know-it-all really. I would rather, I don't think I am a know-it-all by nature. So I really enjoy being, getting to know other people that love and regard pop culture. I think that to love pop culture can really community build. I know I found that with like Buffy from a young age was it's like, my love of Buffy is not like, I know Buffy better than anybody else. It's not like that at all. It's really that I just love connecting with other Buffy fans because I feel if you love this thing, the example being Buffy, but there are many examples, if you love this thing and I love this thing, I bet you we have other things in common outside of just that thing. I bet you this could just be a connecting point for us. And so I think it just comes like out of a love of like being in conversation with people and, you know, it's, you realize it's like the things that I care about, a lot of other people care about it as well. So it's it just like, it gets us excited. I know like the Britney news yesterday, it's like, we're all a buzzing just because I care about it. And a lot of people care about it. And so we go to places like Instagram because the New York Times story is not going to tell the story necessarily the way that we are seeking for it to be told. Yeah, and I love that, like, social media provides us with the ability to just kind of, like, you know, cut through the bullshit and kind of, like, get to direct sources. It's really, it's 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 changed the game. And I do totally. love the, the Instagram DMs. They have um, helped me a lot in my career. I'm not going to I was going to say, I wonder what goes down <laughs> in your DMs. My God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, I feel like there was, like, one time where I really was just so, like, okay. Like, I feel like this is, like, a resource that can be used. Like, let me just, like, try sliding into a couple DMs here and there. But write it in the format of a professional email. But just, like, put it in their DMs. And totally. let me tell you, it works. Totally. Because one thing you learn <laughs> is that a lot of famous people and for good reason sometimes to have a lot of barriers to entry um, that something like social media eliminates. I know like, for instance, like with my book, when I reached out to Sarah Michelle Gellar's publicist, I never heard back. Like I never even got a no. I just never heard back because they either didn't see it or just it was not worth their time. And luckily I I have developed a, a relationship so strong work, but a acquaintanceship with Sarah Michelle Gellar that I was able to curtail the publicist. But that's something that social media offers to so many people is the ability to just go direct to the source. Maybe sometimes at like when the publicist maybe wishes that that was not the case, but you know, that's one of the great things about social. Yes. And which do you feel came first for you, your love for fashion or your love for pop culture? Pop culture pop culture for sure, but I think fashion, less people have an opinion about fashion, I find. And so fashion is something that I feel I'm able to be a little bit more of an expert in the space. Whereas with pop culture, I'm more, I'm always learning. I, it's more community driven for me. Whereas fashion, I kind of, I know what I know. I like what I like. And I feel like I have a little bit of a, a context often. And that's like pretty spot on when you say that not a lot of people have an opinion on fashion. And it is really, 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 really true. Like it's just so, so fewer. True. It really, it really is. Um, 
And I wonder why. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that deeper as to like why because you know it, it's it's because I guess you know because it's utility we wear it every day and so there are things that like people it just gets watered down so much you know I'm just like already playing that um, monologue and the devil wears Prada totally um, about the sweater and the bell um, <laughs> you know those things that uh, live rent free in our minds Completely. you know. It's it's speaking of things that live rent free in our minds. What is a fashion moment that lives rent free in your mind? I mean, I would have to say there's a a Whoopi Goldberg shoot from Garage Magazine from I think it was 2016 or 2017, and it was the very first time I gazed upon a Christopher John Rogers garment. It was on Whoopi Goldberg, and I think that that. And I am not being hyperbolic when I say this. I think it just shifted something in how much I could love fashion and the journey of getting to, to know and watch and love Christopher John Rogers, as I think that we share that love, you and I, um, I think that it really began there. And that was the moment that stayed with me. And I was able to lock in. And again, talk about the completest in me. I was able to say, like, I want to know this designer back to front. And so I literally remember going around and just pitching magazines. All and just And I didn't even know what the story was. I was like, I just want to meet Christopher John Rogers. And this would be a great <laughs> way to do it. And we, and we made it happen. This was like, again, I love it was it. 2016. But, but that Whoopi Goldberg look, it just Is she in so, a white shirt dress? Is that what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know, so, yeah. I know exactly the. I know exactly. Yes, mm-hmm. and it was just so dynamic, and it got me so excited. And honestly, like, I just, I mean, any Whoopi Goldberg photo shoot kind of gets me uh-huh. going. Um, talk about talk about top top model. Um, Whoopi yes. Goldberg. Can you say? Can you say? Legendary. But um, that is the moment that really stands out for me. I mean, it's not. I mean, there are ones that you know go way further back, but that when you when you ask the question, that immediately came to mind. Yes. Okay. Well, I love that we were able to um, both sit here and gush about the wonderful Christopher John Rogers. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will keep chatting with Buffy historian Evan Rosskatz. We'll be back. are back now with Evan. We're talking about pop culture and I want to know what you are currently obsessed with in pop culture right now. I'm obsessed with two things. So one, I just finished Mayor of Easttown and I am the kind of person where when I see a bunch of people talking about something on Twitter, because I, t- I said I'm no longer using Twitter, but I am still mm-hmm. gazing upon Twitter. You're one yes. of the reasons why I'm like, I am now a, uh, a I'm no longer a main character on Twitter. I am, but I still am. I, you know, I can't not be seeing your tweets, for instance. Um, but I saw everyone talking about the show Mayor of Easttown. And I was just like, I don't want to like get again. I don't want to get into the thing that like everyone's into. So at my own pace, once the show had fit, had wrapped up its run, I no longer had to see the tweets that made no sense to me. I decided to mainline it one day. And I have to say that was the best television I have seen in so many years. Cannot recommend that enough. And then I am on, you know, I began Survivor season one um, at the beginning oh. of the pandemic. And I am mm-hmm. currently on season 33. Wow. So that has uh, consumed my life, to say the least. I love that. That is a feat. 
That's crazy. I felt like the Real Housewives of New York and all of, like, I did that during the <laughs> pandemic, and that's just, like, 13 seasons, and that felt like a lot. So, yeah. 33, I applaud you. That's nuts. Yeah. Wow. I was and mind you, about... I'm still doing Housewives while I'm watching all these. Like, I'm I'm always watching Housewives. Like, right now, I'm watching yeah. Atlanta Season 5, OC Season 9. So, this is all, uh-huh. it's all you know, it's always in rotation. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was, um, during the pandemic, uh, well, actually, you know what? This is actually recently. I would say just in the past few months, like in March, um, Dan and I got into Naked and Afraid and have definitely been <laughs> binge watching that because it is just so extreme. It is just so... And I mean, I, there's just so many things that can happen out there in the wild. I'm there always really just like at the that edge is of my seat. I know. It is so, so good. It, okay. So is there anything else besides the 33 seasons of Survivor that you uh, dug up or revisited while you were in quarantine? I mean, I think the answer would probably just be Housewives in that uh-huh. I'm always watching. I, I just, I really much prefer the older seasons of Housewives. And so at any given moment, I'm just always, if like right now, so like I got to season nine of OC from season one. And even though season nine is kind of like a midpoint, I feel like I'm really far in. So then I had to go back and like do Miami season one. I just always at some point want to, there's something for me about reality television from, because I really think that reality television began in 2000. I know you had, you know, the real world and everything in the 90s. But for me, the explosion rather, we should say, began in the 2000s. So reality TV 2000 to 2010 that's really the sweet spot because you you couldn't you can go on reality television today and easily parlay that into a career you couldn't really do that then you really had these people that it was like just a one off coming in you know trying to like right. do eat bugs or or whatever that you know whatever uh-huh. Uh-huh. and i always like really i think you get some People that are not camera ready, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That I really, I enjoy. Yeah. It's just some and messiness. It is that messiness because I feel like, you know, with social media, there are conversations that have been had now, like in the later aughts and now like to the 2020s in which, you know, it makes people a lot more aware before they go on to reality television. Whereas, you know, in the past we were watching, you know, you really were getting these these unpolished, unfiltered characters. And I think that's what we love so much about going back and like revisiting these older seasons. A lot of these people don't live on. I think that's like what is like tickles me the most about talking to these top models is they weren't on Instagram. So when Completely. they got off the TV show, I, I wanted to know what Shandy was doing. I want to know what, a lo- I mean, even outside of top model, like what those reality show people were doing back then. Cause I looked up to those people. Right. And you think of how many of those people from the early seasons of Top Model would have been superstars today had social media existed. You know, oh you my think God. of how many stars we've been robbed of just because they go and do the show. I mean, I look at someone like Takara, who's had a very successful career, mind you, no disrespect to her whatsoever. But Takara, in my mind, this is just my opinion, is meant to be bigger than she is right now. Absolutely. 100% agree. So you I know. think that's, like, yeah. She has go the ahead. charisma to carry her through, like, Instagram stories or Snapchats or whatever the kids mm-hmm. are doing whenever she would have came out, but you know. completely, absolutely, yes. Um, okay, so I'm really curious to know. 
um, about your obsession with Buffy. Because I've never, I've never just like flat out asked you. I've known this about you for a long time that you're a, a deep Buffy fan. Where, how old were you when you first started watching Buffy? So I started watching season two, episode six. So that I would have yes, been, I live. Yeah, I would have been nine years old when I first started. But I actually knew who Sarah Michelle Gellar was before that because. My best friend growing up's mom was obsessed with all my children, um, the the soap opera. And so when and she would, you know, VHS record it. And Sarah Michelle Gellar played uh, Kendall Hart and All My Children from 1994 to 1996, right before Buffy picked up her first Emmy. Um, so that's when I first, she came on my radar. And really the love of Buffy spawned from Sarah. And really, it always comes back to Sarah. I love Buffy, don't get me wrong, but like Sarah is my North Star. Um, And so, yeah, that was the entry point was just being like, oh, here's this actress that I love and here's her next project. The, The concept of the show, Vampires and Supernatural, that didn't interest me then. It's not an interest point for me, typically. Like, you know, I don't really gravitate towards Supernatural generally. But yeah, Sarah was the the entry point in. And then also just like, it was a teen show and I was nine, 10 years old. And so I was like, you know, my, again, the kids in school, they, I forget what they were watching at the time, probably, like, probably Barney, like who knows? Like Nickelodeon, <laughs> I'm sure, you know? And it's just like, I was the kid that was watching the show that had like sex and violence and- yeah. And even Buffy was like, even as a teen show, it was very much an adult show. So yeah. I I think it taught me, I started to talk differently because I adopted, it's called Buffy Speak. It's like the way, it's a it's very specific <laughs> dialogue of the show. And so a lot of like my sense of humor today, um, I just, I think I, I, I took on a lot of what the show offered in, in, yeah. in ways that like carried with me beyond the show, to say the oh least. Oh my gosh. And I love that because, um, uh, and I also love you talking about Sarah Michelle Gellar being your North Star because I, my introduction to Sarah Michelle, now I always knew that Buffy was airing. I didn't watch Buffy um, while it aired because, you know, my Christian mother, oh, she wouldn't allow me to be (laughs) watching no vampires. uh, Because I would always watch it on the big TV downstairs. So, you know, I was under her supervision. Anyway, but, and, while that I'm I'm really like she wouldn't let me watch these um um vampires because I did however get to watch um I know what you did last summer and Scream 2 which came out around so also you know what I feel like um Sarah Michelle Geller and I know what you did last summer that last final scene for Hello. her to me is in my opinion like the most iconic of all flasher flick, like, like just like death scenes ever. Uh, we, we, we all knew she got away. We all knew it. We yeah. all knew it after everything she went through. It was just ah, uh, everything. I have but to that say, was- just being in conversation with Shea Coulee about Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance, <laughs> and I know you did last summer, this is important. I'm very glad we're having this conversation. I completely agree with you. I completely agree. It's every time I watch it, I'm thinking she's gonna, she'll survive. She'll survive. Because my dream was always when I heard, I know what you, or I still know what you did was coming out, and uh-huh. they were getting brandy. 
Uh-huh. I was like, I don't need the men. I was like, I want Jennifer Love Hewitt, Brandy, and Sarah Michelle Gellar, the three yes. of them, to link up, yes. bring SMG back from the dead. No disrespect to Freddie Prince Jr., but it's no. just like he's great. Yeah, he's a, you know a, a great husband to my woman, but absolutely. But yeah, I, I was so, and they show like her photo, and I still know what you did last summer, and it's just like yeah. it, it triggers me every time. Um, but God. yeah, no, I know what you did last summer. Uh, that's cinema. Yeah, that it really is. It really, really is. <laughs> I absolutely love that film so much. And yeah, kudos to you, Sarah, Michelle. I'm like, I wonder how, I'm like, it probably took them a week and a half just to shoot that. I mean, <laughs> like, like maybe two. I, know, I, I think it's like seven and a half minutes, the death scene. Uh-huh. Um, it's really something. Uh, I, and you know what? When I, I, I rewatched it probably like a year and a half ago, um, and I just was like, I miss that it's not, I guess it's teen horror, but when you say teen, I, I feel like it, it's more elevated than just being like teen horror, but I miss that kind of genre that I know what you did last summer was, which was like, you know, just the, I don't know, maybe it's slasher that I'm missing or I'm not sure, but there was something about that movie where I was like, it's, and also like it's set, I believe it's in North Carolina. There's a specificity to the world of I know what you did last summer that I just like, I miss. And, um, yeah, and just the four of them, I mean, they're just, yeah, and everyone's like, oh, Ryan Felipe has the shower scene in Cruel Intentions, sure, but there's also mm-hmm. a locker room scene, and I know what you did last summer. I wouldn't yes. call it formative, but I would call it important. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I was just like, wow, he is very wet. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, um, another question for you. Um, have you heard uh, lately from your um, dear friend, Ellen? My dear friend. Yes, we're constantly in Dodge. I have not heard from Ellen. You know, I that is one of those things that I latched onto, as I tend to do. Sometimes things just come up. You know, what comes to uh-huh. mind is like the Meryl Streep scream is something that I really latched onto. And the Ellen event that was her confrontation with Dakota Johnson was one of those like inextricable moments that I just became so obsessed with. But it did, and this happens sometimes, because you know, I like to drag people. And Uh you do get to a point sometimes where, at least for me, where I feel like I start to over drag a person when I start to get people being like, and especially with Ellen, you get a little bit of the people in the DMs being like, why are you a gay man going after a gay woman? And, you know, and I listen, I'm open to all criticism always. So I, I hear what they're trying to say. I think it's a little different when it's someone that has as much money and wealth and influence as Ellen. But agree to disagree sometimes. Um But with Ellen, it's just like she kind of repeatedly does stuff in which she steps in it. And then when the allegations of abuse from her staffers came out and sort of corroborated, because the whole thing, the the Dakota thing, she didn't do anything wrong technically, right? That was just like, you didn't invite me to your party. But then when the allegations came out about the, the workplace and the things that her staff had to go through, at that point I was like, okay, I think it's okay to to, you know, say that this person, not for certain, but seems like the evidence is adding up that this is not a great human being. But like, does it go, do I go too far sometimes? Do I, should I, you know, uh, 
Should I do something better with my time? Probably. But I don't like her. <laughs> I don't like her. <laughs> Giving us very Tatiana from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, I love it. Okay, well, we are going to take a short break. But then when we come back, Evan, we are going to play my favorite game called What Are You Wearing? We'll be back. are back with Evan Ross Katz and Evan here on Wanna Be On Top. We like to play this little game called What Are You Wearing? So how this works is we are going to give you a scenario and you are allowed to pull anything you want from the pages of Vogue magazine to the clearance bin at Goodwill to imaginary pieces you see in your mind all to create an iconic look for this hypothetical scenario. Okay, love. All right, so you think you can handle this? I hope. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, you have been invited to Dakota Johnson's birthday party. You and everyone in your team have been personally invited. The party is on October 5th in Malibu. Evan Ross Katz, what are you wearing? Okay, I'm going to do some Prada loafers on the feet. I feel like Dakota's mm-hmm. a Gucci girl. So I'm going to go a little like fashion-y for this one. Yes, so I feel yes. like I'm going to do some Gucci bell bottoms, but they're not going to be too wide, like not too much flair, but uh, a little bit of a Gucci bell bottom. Um, I'm definitely going to cinch the waist. Maybe, I don't want to do too much Gucci. So maybe we'll do a vintage belt just to cinch things up. And then up top, I don't like to do too much designer stuff. So I think a plain white tee and then let's throw on some Balenciaga shades and accessory wise, let's do a Christopher Kane watch. Oh, we love, we love. Okay, so Maxwell, you also have been invited to um, Dakota Johnson's uh, birthday party. Um, what are you going to be wearing? So I did, honestly didn't even really know who Dakota Johnson was until this like viral moment happened. Um, so to me, the only thing I could think of is that like black and red holiday plaid that was like everywhere behind her. So I would probably wear something like that. Like I would wear like a shorts, like a short suit situation, like <laughs> set with like, you know, I would serve you like. Christmas eleganza, whatever was going on behind her there. Cause like, yeah, that's just yeah. what I see. I, I don't know anybody who makes it. Maybe I'm sure I could get any. So, you know, <laughs> shoes, shoes, something, something tall and stacked. I'm really into looking like a TikToker these days. So I like those big chunky shoes. <laughs> um, I think had, I think um, Evan had actually reported on the suit that Dakota Johnson was wearing um, because I feel that Beyonce also wore it, but she got the skirt cropped. Yes. Um, That's what I. So, um, yeah. So I would actually borrow Beyonce's suit. Um, Listen, that's, that's I the would, correct answer. So I would I would slide into Beyonce's DMs and I'd be like, girl, um, let me get the suit. I'd be like, hey, um, I actually had <clears throat> a friend tell me one time that um, our measurements are kind of similar, so I will only need to take it out a few inches, but proportion-wise, <laughs> it will be the same. 
Um, and yeah, I would pro- I would wear that. And then I think what I would do is, um, oh wait, it's October fifth, and I'm pulling full holiday stunt eleganza on her. Birth- it's fine, but it's fine because like in Malibu, right? Um, because underneath that, um, I would just have on a black um mesh leotard so that if I get like too hot I could just like you know take off like the skirt of the jacket and I'm just in you know Malibu just like all slinky breezy but it gets cold at night so I should probably keep the suit on (laughs) they have an outdoor fireplace (laughs) absolutely okay shoes I didn't even think about this shoes um and it's Malibu and there could be sand um, I'm still going to wear um, a heel and I'm just going to throw on like the YSL cage boot and just like call the call the day. I'm sure other people at that party would be wearing something similar. Who else do you think would be at the party? Who would be bumping shoulders with? Portia de Rossi. I love Portia de Rossi, Portia Williams. Let's keep the Portias going. Oh my God. So oh, Portia Williams there. would absolutely be the only as key. And if I found out that she was coming, I would be bringing all the Hennessy for her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now tell me this. Would you be returning the look to Beyonce? That's the question. Um, I, I imagine offering it and her being like, it's okay. You can keep it. Love. Yeah. She's generous that way. When she when she's she lends little, something to yeah. a friend, she lets them She's have like, it. girl, you just have it. She's like, I've already been on the gram and you had to let it out anyway. No Beyonce also wore this. I need to look this up. Yes. You know, what? just like powerful women wearing that red plaid suit. Totally. What would you say to Dakota if you got to speak to her at the party, Evan, since you're such a fan? Well, it's fascinating because as much of a fan of hers as I am, I don't know if I've ever seen a Dakota Johnson movie. All I really know her from is the Ellen clip, and then she has an Architectural Digest tour of her home, which is equally iconic. If anyone hasn't seen, I highly recommend looking it up. She, um, it's, It's quite a home, and it's quite a tour that she gives. So I would just kind of need to get to know her a little bit. I'd start with some pretty simple questions. Like, you know, I, I mean, I know her mom is Melanie Griffith. I know she was in Fifty Shades. That's kind of the extent of my knowledge. So I'm. I, I hope she is. I feel like I've invented her to be a person in my head, um, and I hope that she can live up to the person that I've made her out to be. Because I just I want her to be nice. I hope she's sweet and kind. What yeah, I did not know that her mom for? was Melody Griffith. Griffith. Wow. What was she on on for? I don't even know. I mean, honestly, that that entire interview it only became you know legendary for being about the lack of invitation to the birthday <laughs> whatever she was promoting it's like for all we know it never even came out although yeah. she did do that movie with Tracy Ellis Ross that came out in quarantine that I did really want to see that I didn't get around to was um, that the one so, where she was like Tracy Ellis Ross is like a pop star right yes no? yes, yes. Yep. okay what was it the something act wait no that was a that Jennifer Lopez film the second oh, act was the Jennifer love. Lopez film. Oh, I did see that one. I did yes. see that one. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely am interested in learning more about Dakota Johnson, you know, as a thespian. I, I don't know enough about her. It's called The yes. High Note. The High Note. The High Note. That's what yeah. it is. If it's not a low yes. note, it's a high note. Absolutely. And I think <laughs> on a high note is how we should leave this. Because that's our show. That is all the time that we have for today. Evan... Thank you so much for joining us 
Again, we had so much fun having you here. Did you enjoy yourself? I had so much fun and it's such a thrill. I'm so glad you're in the podcast space now. And it's just such a thrill that fans of yours like myself can have this new access point to all things that are you because I really have always felt that even just beyond your drag, like the your worldview, the way that you, the you know, what we're talking about earlier, someone's gaze, I want to give, oh, Tyra, we want to get behind Tyra's eyes. I think getting behind your eyes is something also that so many of us have wanted for so long. And this is such a great sort of like expansion of the world of Shea Coulee. So Aww. it's just a true honor. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That is so sweet. Well, can you please tell all the children and all of our listeners where they can find you online? You can find me at Evan Ross Katz on Instagram. Yeah, so you can catch her gazing on Twitter. <laughs> we will. <laughs> From her old profile. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be back next week working our way through the Tyra of it all with our special guest, Valentine Adams. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And look, if you have any top model facts or questions for Maxwell and me, our guests, or you even just want to say hi, you can send us an email to beontoppod at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe to Wanna Be On Top wherever you listen and make sure to rate and review the show. It helps us grow. I'm Shay Coulet. And I'm Maxwell Esposito. And as always, the question remains, Wanna Be On Top? Want to Be On Top is not endorsed by America's Next Top Model or any of the show's creators, producers, or distributors. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. America's Next Top Model and all names, pictures, audio, and video clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. Want to Be On Top? Forever. Dog. To listen to Want to Be On Top? ad-free and Monday early. Sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Wanna Be On Top? Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yes, bitch, I said five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wanna Be On Top is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by Shea Coulee, produced by Maxwell Esposito, editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Big Dipper, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.